Welcome back to Comfort Breeds Complacency. This is episode 11. Sorry about my voice. I was in a sauna. I was wood burning and it's a little raspy, but today we're joined with Grant Taylor. He is the uh, owner of Find Your Grit, which is a um, fitness and mental performance uh, company. So thanks for joining me today, dude. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you. Hell yeah. So uh, I guess just basically you want to start running through your story you got an unbelievable story man so just run through that whole story you got yeah. with you and uh yeah. and your your stepdad and everything man um well we were both in a sauna yesterday this is the first off and you got a little bit worse than i did so um maybe i'll be able to uh talk a little bit more clear um, yeah, my name is Grant. I own a, a company called Find Your Grit, uh, where we redefine fitness and mental performance in all shapes. Uh, we have some professional MMA guys, we have some uh, world-class athletes, and uh, we have, you know, just turning a Joe to a pro. So doing that took mental resilience. And so the story I'm going to share real quick is about how I pretty much put that together. And through the struggle and through the, the trauma, we were able to redefine perspective and what that meant. And that was a company that was able to help as many people as we possibly can. So uh, I'll just go ahead and get right into it. Uh, when I first met Nick, um, you know, and I shared a story with him, at, well, a lot what he does uh, resonates with what the company does. And so, uh, and once we got done talking, I knew pretty well that we were going to be good friends um, and do something big. So, so pretty much back in uh, 2021 of uh, June 23rd, I got a call. Um, from a bystander um, where my home is at is in Maryland. And uh, there was a, a guy that called me named Ken, and uh, me and my wife were living in Frederick, Maryland at the time. And uh, it was about a 30-minute drive for where we were at. Uh, he said, hey, uh, your, your father was, uh, who's my stepfather? He said, hey, he, he got hit uh, by a negligent driver that it seems on his motorcycle, and uh, he's laying here, he's probably gonna die. Um, uh, your mom's here frantic, you know, panicking. They're probably going to escort him over to your house. And I said, okay, I appreciate that. And um, Brandon started packing up the bag. And as we get out that door, um, my mom was already at my place. Went down to the UMCC shock, uh, shock trauma. And then right after that, we started to really kind of figure out life from there. Um, within the first 24 hours of that, I got a text message from that guy. Uh, he sent me a bunch of pictures and videos of the accident that happened and said, hey, don't don't show anybody these. Uh, these are not meant for your mom or anybody else, but the cops want to know here what they are. Uh, that same day, uh, we got a call from one of the lead surgeons there at uh, UMCC, and he said, uh, hey, we're going to probably have to take off his leg. Uh, he said his uh, stomach had went up to his diaphragm, and it caused his lungs to collapse, and he had a shattered pelvis, and um, I don't even know how they saved his right arm either, uh, but they put him into a medical-induced coma right away, and uh, they were saying that he was lo losing around uh, one to two liters, you know, a day, and they were they were really trying to keep him keep him going. So uh, we got a call, um, and my mom at the time was like taking care of a wounded dog. I mean, it was it was really rough. Uh, but I looked at those pictures the same within the same hour that he sent them as we got that call. And within three minutes of me looking at him, I immediately said, go ahead and take off that leg. Like, he'd be okay, um, knowing that he could live life without it if he does survive. Uh, pretty much the crux to it then is right after maybe a week into it, uh, my father-in-law had passed away um, from a sudden heart attack uh, in his sleep. And uh, 
And so within uh, just a week of times from one tragedy to the next, uh, that one was tough. And um, that, was, that was a heartbreaker. Um, that put grief into a different perspective while taking care of my wife and her family, while trying to focus on my mom's well-being and making sure that she just shower and eat. And, and hopefully my stepfather, who had taken care of my mom throughout my whole life, uh, was going to actually live. So uh, you, I just put on those shorts and uh, those jeans and buckled it up. And I told myself, I said, all right, you're, you're the man in the house now. You have to do what you have to do. And I, I signed that contract with myself within that first day. And it got solidified after... I had to bury, you know, my my uh, father-in-law, which was um, which was a pretty big uh, setback at the time. Bottom line to the story is that uh, as I got back from the funeral, of my, my father-in-law, uh, they started to say that he was doing okay, that there was more of a chance of him uh, getting out the thick of the woods, and it was about a month in at this moment, and uh, they were still back and forth on days. They'd say there he's not going to make it throughout the night, and then he would. Um, so we're we're always teetering back and forth. So uh, as we get back from the funeral, I'll go up uh, to um, to the UMCC, and uh, Baltimore was the last city to be able to have COVID restrictions as COVID was ending. So my mom was the only one that was just living by his side throughout the whole entire time, and so I wasn't able to see him at all. Um, I was just doing round trips and checking on her and making sure that, you know, you, especially in Baltimore, man, like you got to walk every single block with something on over your shoulder because it's, it's not fun. Um, it's a third world country over there. And... Uh, so uh, I got granted the ability to go see him for the first time. And uh, like I said, the, he, they were just starting to say that this, this was going to probably be a pretty hit or miss if he was going to make it or not, but he has a pretty good shot of doing it right now. So they had recently put him on dialysis, which a lot of people don't come off of at that time. But uh, as my stepfather, the 22-year military vet with the Bronze Star and uh, tours to Baghdad and Afghanistan, he was a, he was a really tough guy growing up. I mean, he was what set the tone and perspective for me. So when I walked in there that first day of seeing him, I didn't expect what I actually saw. I mean, you're walking in that, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, shock trauma where there's a, you know, uh, a kid that's shot when someone's playing a harmony or, uh, you know, right by him. And it's his last breath until I walk into the room and the psych team said, you can't show emotion. Don't cry. We're going to lower his uh, dose a little bit. He may have the opportunity to open up his eyes and say something, but if he doesn't, you know, uh, that's just how it goes. So I said, all right. So I sat there and I just started telling him about all those times that, you know, we had and what we've done. And, I, you know, I instantly personally thought of a lot of regret of, you know, all those times that I felt like I, I overlooked that, you know, and I didn't have the gratitude, you know, everything was taken. Um, and I was pretty, I was pretty fucking numb at this point um, and really cold uh, going in there. So as I was talking with him, I'm telling him how, how much I love him and, uh, Next thing you know, uh, he opens up his eyes and he locks me right down and he says, son, I love you and you know, grit's all, all you need. And uh, before I could even get a word out, he, his eyes went right back to his head and that was it. So I was pretty confident that that was going to be his last words to what he said to me. Um, without knowing what to do next, I went back and I got a tattoo of grit on my on my heart that I told myself, you know, if he doesn't make it, I'll show it to him and I'll tell him, I'll, I'll say, Hey, look, this is what we're going to go do. We're going to do this together. And, uh, they were pretty confident that he still wasn't going to make it. They were back and forth on decisions until this point. So I went back home that same day. I started, uh, the VA didn't do shit. We didn't get a lot of the, the woman that did it walked away with a $750 fine for the negligent of the cop as well. So she was, uh, not given a sobriety test or any type of, uh, uh, 
be uh you know any type of test to try to check her bac or um anything like that so we got pretty screwed on that aspect so we started doing it ourselves so i just look up youtube videos man uh, i got at a job uh, you know out of college and set up and i was working down the ladder and i quit it on the spot after that day and uh i just started doing it myself so uh Afterwards, I started building up, uh, you know, their whole house, make it ADA compliant just in case he was going to survive, and he did. So then he, he said, hey, you know, fast forward, he's coming back home, uh, and he, but he's paralyzed from the waist down. So now without a leg and paralyzed from the waist down, he has some external fixtures outside of his right arm, and he's, we have to every couple hours, by the time he gets home, they rotate him side to side, and it took the whole family. It took my wife to, as an occupational therapist to really step in and help with those day-to-day kind of, you know, tasks. And someone like him to get a UTI is death threatening and it still is now. So uh, anyways, he uh, went through a lot of ups and downs. The team told us, take out all weapons at the house. He's going to get depressed, probably suicidal. Um, we don't know how he's going to take that paralyzed, uh, the paralysis from the waist down, but he's okay with that leg being gone. I said, all right. So he's not want to talk a lot. Uh, a couple months went by. I started training with him more, uh, dialed down on, on as many certifications as I could possibly get in the time and uh, focused on his training and contractions of his quad and of his uh, ham, which he had a separation from his T11 to T12. So he had a full, he can't feel anything from the waist below. Um, so I was really focused on neuromuscular connectivity, um, being able to, um, like as you do, you were, you were talking about, you know, do you doing your swim, you give it to your shoulder, then you give it to your lat, and then you give it to, you know, someone else, make a compound movement out of something that's, you know, uh, ruminating and still going and going and going. So um, I would, train with him like that and functional movement was the how I got that done and uh one day he was real depressed and I remember telling him I said look man I, I could care less about what the doctors say man I said you've been through too much shit I said you you've made it out when people haven't and I'm not gonna let this this take you out and so I said we're gonna walk again and he looked at me that same day and he said no man I can't you know the doctor said I'm I'm fucked you know I'm paralyzed and so after getting pretty pissed off at that moment, and this was already with a lot of training under our belt, I would uh, grab his thigh and I would squeeze really, really tight and have him do contractions as much as he possibly could. Obviously, there was no contraction at the time, um, but it was just pairing that up again. And that same day, he started tearing up. And I told him, I said, "Man, you got to lift that. You got to lift that leg now, man. You got to lift that. Lift, lift it right now. Come on, like, come on, come on. Let's do it." And he skyrocketed that leg, and um, we were. Uh, so shocked and he shot that leg right up and it was contracting his his quad like he was supposed to his his, uh, his hamstring as well and this was on the residual limb so afterwards i told him keep going keep going don't stop and we went back to umcc that same week and they told us this is a miracle as you weren't supposed to make it in the first place and now that you can we can identify it as a non-complete so we don't know what to do. This this could be this now, or this this could stay the same way, or you can get better. We have no idea. But would you want to get a prosthetic and cut up the leg higher? I mean, we were like, shit, yeah, like I, like right now, like can you do it? Like we were very much so pumped and ready to get going. Uh, so, anyways, uh, that's what we did. Um, from after that, uh, we kept on going. We kept momentum up high. Things were going good. Um, we had a couple of close, you know, deaths in the family. Follow that up, which was a weird time for everything right now but uh when i started going back i just wanted to help i wanted to be able to connect the the miracle be able to connect functional movement to compound movements to to focusing on more than one perspective and what people ignore the most and it's not sexy but how many functional doctors do you know you know it's like 
I'll put you on a pill and tell you to come back to me every, you know, three times a week, or let me show you how you can fix your, you know, scoliosis, you know, like something that's almost seems like way out of pace, way out of mind to be able to fix. Yeah. It's, 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 everything is possible. And, uh, and everybody's different. So as we started to help others through it, um, uh, we got a spot on the NBC. Uh, they reached out and uh, Peter Alexander, who's a presidential journalist, had reached out and uh, wanted to hear more about the story and who we were. Um, and uh, it took off from there. Uh, starting a company and now a nonprofit, uh, Trauma to Triumph, to help adaptable equipment to anybody with needed. Uh, it has been a blessing. Uh, it's been really, really incredible to have a lot of growth from this and being able to help support others in the same position. Know that you're not alone, that finding your grit is finding your reason why. And that's what that word ultimately meant to me. At the time, I didn't. But now that word is what's so close is find your reason why to why you want to get better, to why you want to be healthy, your better son, better daughter, better mom, better dad. It's uh, be a better you and figure out why. Get to the root of it and we help be able to physically do that and mentally do it. So that's the company and that's the story. <clears throat> so <clears throat> Hell yeah. Yeah, I know. A lot of my endurance things, you really have to know your reason why. Because if you don't hold that close to your heart in the thick of it, you're gonna quit, right? Like yeah. that's the thing that keeps you going. How would you say for people who might not have gone through that same type of experience like you went through or they might have um be lacking that in their life how do you how do you recommend that people try and find their why don't be lazy with language ask yourself questions that make you feel uncomfortable and if it's an answer that is too much to digest don't ask it every day is a completely different day and meaning people say that all the time people say get one percent better every day what's like what the fuck does that mean one percent better every day like how we had mentioned, you said a four out of 10, you know, when you're going out and doing your, you know, endurance races and whatnot. I think the everyday person needs to understand that happiness is a two out of 10 because you're at least a two out of 10. And you just got to ride the wave. Tide goes low, you don't get pulled out by current. It, it, the highs aren't the highest, but the lows aren't the lowest. It's understanding that suffering and fair perspective is in with everybody. I think a lot of people focus on distractions and think that they're coping mechanisms and they're not. And it, like I said, it's not sexy. I'd make a lot more money selling a pill for 10 grand or this bullshit, you know, saturated stuff that you get online to be able to give you a quick fix. It's not a quick fix. It's not temporary. And I think people will love temporary solutions. So what I would say to someone is that what is the root cause of why you want to lose? Let's say, for instance, I have a housewife come in and she's like, I, I, grant, I just want to lose 10 pounds. I got a wedding in, you know, a month I want to go to. My first thing, I on a very lack of better terms, would just uh, say to her, why? Yeah, she's like, well, I want to look good. All right, well, that's, that's good. All right, well, what's your problems? So, but, but why, why? Next thing you know, people just want to spill it out. It's like, well, I'm insecure, you know? I'm insecure because I feel like, you know, I've been lacking at self-control for a long time. It's like, okay, I got one thing. All right, self-control, accountability. All right, those are two things that you lack. Majority of people's excuses or, or anxiety stems from something that they can change but they don't. And if you add on layers to that and more and more and more, then I got more excuses and I do answers. And I got more things to divert all of my time and effort to that give me no progress, yet then I'm living in Groundhog's Day every day. Uh, there's, no, there's nothing from that. 
There's no happiness, there's no success, and there's sure as hell no word for suffering in that. That is just an everyday loop. So I would tell a lot of people, don't be lazy with language. Understand that being able to find what you want as the word happiness is going to be defined differently through the process because what you define as pain and suffering will be defined something different as well. So you're really starting a new book, not a new chapter. And the words that meant the way that they did before it's a new dictionary as well. So emotions are really aligned with a lot of that. So uh, again, I think a, a big thing is if language gets too much in your head and you got to shut out that noise, then outwork the mental. Give yourself fair perspective and understand that the doer is going to get out there and adjust and be able to be adaptable. And a thinker is just going to sit. So sometimes you just got to make it physical to mental, not mental to physical. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I know you growing up were an athlete yourself. How much did being an athlete before you were a coach play into the skills you can teach people now? And like, where where did you get all those skills to become a coach? Yeah, I think um, that's a, a good question. And, yeah. yeah, I know that's a good question. Uh, growing up, I was very, I was an all around. Uh, played all different sports. Uh, I think I found a love with football and wrestling, um, and. Uh, I've had three ACL reconstructions from ninth grade, 10th grade, and 11th grade um, that still led me to have a competitive career in wrestling as well. Um, but all being back-to-back, -back, it was pretty tough to kind of keep that going. I think uh, I let a lot of people down uh, family-wise and especially my friends too of, of the ability of success that they were banking on me having without those injuries. Um, but that did more for me than any sport that I ever played. Um, going through those in general, three times on the, on the ACL reconstructions on the left leg was tough because no matter on, and it really happened every, the two other times it happened back to back was on the first day I was cleared. So, um, which I would just jump right back in either it'd be football and the last one was wrestling, um, where I so tore the injury happened right after you came back three times yeah. and you're talking 12 month recoveries. So I'd rather break any fucking bone in my body any day of the week to go through that again. And to be able to have no control over like the confidence of like, Oh, it just happened once. That's fine. Oh, it just happened twice. It's okay. The third time around, I'm like, I I'm like looking up online, any athlete, any professional athlete in this whole world who has three ACL tears under a left leg, which was or on either. And it was little to none, maybe yeah, a very, very yeah. few. And so, um, that taught me resilience on a different perspective. Um, I, I, really took a deep dive into Wim Hof and breathing at the moment. I told myself for three and a half years, I said, I'm going to take a ice bath for 15 minutes a day. And during this time, uh, believe it or not, I, uh, after my fourth ACL, I got, we started going through college. I, I tore my labrum and, uh, um, and a partial tear my rotator cuff. So during that surgery as well, uh, I would sit in ice baths for about three, four years straight. Um, and for 15 minutes to 30 minutes, to the points where I'd just focus on how much self-suffering can I add on to where I don't have to risk tearing my ACL, pretty much. And that kind of suffering is deep. You get real big answers very quickly. And uh, it gave me that ability to try to find that tool. And finding that tool was freedom. So as I here I am as, you know, a, you know, um, a fitness and mental performance, you know, coach, I, I strive to, to know personally that maturity and growth comes from what you do with the experience how you digest what you went through it's not the actual experience um 
a lot of people don't get that. So they think I may do something special, have something special. I'm just everyday guy. I just, I, you, you have a view of what life is, what life should be, what it, what it isn't, and it's raw. So, and it's messy, but that's what makes it authentic. So own it, own that shit. You know, it's either can't run, then walk, can't walk, then crawl, but you sure don't fucking lay down. All right. So I think that's the biggest thing um, from sports and athleticism that grew me up. And mixed martial arts taught me a lot. Fighting, I, I had a lot of anger after my three. You know, I was wanting to go big with wrestling. I wanted to take football to the new, you know, next level and uh, um, wasn't able to. But when I got back into fighting, I was ready to risk it all. And uh, it went a really long way uh, to be able to connect after a ton of concussions as well and other things. Every fighter fights injured, you know. So it was really good to be able to grab a bunch of different uh, aspects of each sport. But the but the borderline concept of it all is that every fighter fights injured. You know, with the leg not, it's like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, how, how what am I going to do specifically, like, as, you know, uh, as my human body works around it to give it to something else, you know, um, just physics, you know. Which is pretty much the love of it, love of the game. So that's 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 about it on that one. That's the, childhood was was pretty crazy. But yeah, I, I know. Like personally, when I've had those times in my life when I wasn't able to do the things I wanted, like athletically, it almost feel like it's a loss of identity when you like say to the world, like this is what I am. I'm an athlete. I'm this and that. And then you do have to like do some soul searching in that time and figure out kind of if you're not an athlete at the moment, then like what are you and what value can you bring to other people and everything. So, I think people die in those moments. I think those were obviously battling thoughts throughout, but I've, as I keep giving advice and helping others with people that are in that position, even as of now, um, it's that that's that's what's going to shape you right there. It's it, majority of people with their neck barely above the waterline are living life to the fullest and other people are only ankle deep but with their face down in the water saying that they're drowning so you do have to figure out if i cannot attach my ego to anything then who the fuck am i well it's like that's your opportunity to find out you either die in that situation or you don't and someone that's committed is going to figure out a way to survive so it's like i'm grant taylor but i'm a fighter it's like okay that's all i gotta say I don't have to convince it. And to be honest with you, I think in moments and times where you're fighting against something that you want to identify yourself as, you have to understand that being alone doesn't mean being lost. And when you're winning in silence, no one else is going to give you that gratification. So we also live in a world of just pure gratification. That's what boosts that ego. So if I can't make you know my biological dad happy or someone else happy around me for me excelling out on sports and they're not in a good mood and I can't, I can't look back on that on me and say, oh, that, that was my fault. I'm just still living a life, man. But I'm winning in silence. So instead of me looking back and say, man, I deserve this or fuck the life, fuck this world and everything else like that, who am I? It's like, dude, every question needs to have an answer. And if there's no answer to it, then don't ask it. You know, bottom line, period. It's like, don't put on too much on your plate that you can digest, you know, every day at a time. And that's why that 1% better matters so much. So yeah, take it or leave it. But you got to figure it out. And you got to be okay with yourself and understanding that you can be very adaptable. That's the whole point about the present moment. And nothing puts you in a present moment like life or death situations. So yeah, it's a it's a great way to great way to build up a toolbox to be able to survive on. Yeah. And what what type of I know you train lots of different people from everyday regular people just trying to lose weight to MMA fighters. Mm. What's uh 
what's like values or characteristics in these people that are good and what's like something you don't like to see like what's a good person to train versus a somebody who's like not really good to train someone that's good to train with someone that's not really good to train uh, well i mean commitment is everything so first off uh Training with someone that's uh, one-on-one or let's say we do a group or corporate, whatever it may be, it's a lot easier to be able to sign that contract with them to be able to say you have to put in this time and commitment to be able to reach the goals that you want. And uh, But my standard of how I do things is based upon what's going to make you successful for the long run. So a lot of people don't like to hear that. That's why you see so much on social media and advertisements on here's the quickest way to drop weight. So majority of people come in with this idea of this is going to make me drop weight really quick. I tell them right now that this is a relationship. So I got to pick and choose who I work with. And I love that about what I do. So the commitment is that first off, if I see rounded shoulders and I see curvature and like the lumbar or the spine or some type of weird thing popping out, I'm focusing on posture first. 100% of the time, I'm always going to focus on getting to the root of preemptive measures so they don't get injured. And yet by a byproduct of that, they stand up better within the first month. I have, I'll tell you, I had one of the most incredible moments right when I first started um, really diving in deep to this. And I had a woman come up to me um, that I would just started training with and it was been about a month and she suffered from horrible, horrible back pain from being a dentist and she owned her own uh, practice. And, uh, when she first came in with me, she said, I just want to be able to pick up my kid. And I always said, and I was like, all right, we're going to pick up that kid. Like, you know, a three-year-old kid can't even pick up, you know, young, beautiful, um, you know, client of mine. And she was like, just, just dying inside of the world. And within that first month, I remember walking right by her and I could barely even notice her. And she bawled out crying saying, I was able to pick up my kid for the first time. It was the most incredible moment of my life. And that was in a month of time. But don't, I think the, mo the biggest misconception is that it's not a uh, highlight on me for a month. It was her commitment. She said, I'm going to do everything I possibly can do. So she's, you know, rocking in three, four times a week with me. She's doing everything that she can do at home. And majority of that was just fixing posture. Everyday things that she was doing was now different. And it takes your body a little while. They always say it takes 30 to 60 days to convert a habit into a lifestyle, but not if you give a shit about it. If you care about it and it applies to your life, then you're going to want to do it because without it, it's going to cause pain. And that's not the type of suffering that we want to endure. You know, we want to be able to get through it. So to, com to be able to explain that to someone, no matter who they are and the commitment level to it, it's how much are you willing to let go to be able to invest and how much you're able to gain. And what you're letting go needed to be let go. You're not holding on to it is what's holding you back. That takes time. That can take some months and even years. So I've seen a lot of it. So, uh, but the commitment's deep. So I don't train people for that, for the quick instant gratification and a temporary fix. It's you're going to be able to train your kids' kids on what, you know, we're able to find with each other. <clears throat> yeah, that's so valuable, I feel like. And, uh, I know personally with like the endurance stuff, a lot of it's more mental side of things, even more than the physical side of the training. Um, <clears throat> for your clients or you personally, do you implement a lot of mental skills like visualization, keywords, um, just things like that? And like, can you talk about kind of that side of the training that you implement yeah. in your own life? That's the biggest side of it. Um, um, 
a lot of people have different ways to be lazy with language and or don't paint the picture for themselves. Meaning that if you're pushing that pen and you're moving it towards a direction, it's great. But what what's the actual purpose? And what I mean by that is that the mental side of fitness and performance and life comes from you being able to bank on your default system, like your, your subconscious. So when I say train your subconscious, it's not like this woohoo subject. It's like if you're going to train situational for uh, racing a, you know, a race car professionally, it's like, all right, you got G-force going against you. You have, you know, bruising. You have all these different types of aspects to it. How can I maintain all these different things just in one line? The mental to it is understanding that the subconscious needs to get trained to automatically turn on other helping groups of muscles fitness-wise, like physically. So then when confidence is rooted from you not getting injured by now progressing from barely being able to put on pants to hitting like a 60 inch vertical jump, you know, within a short period of time, it's like your body's is going to endure more of the physical impact, but that's the point of focusing on the functional training first. So then they don't have to worry about any type of residual pain or refractory pain from where they're going from. The mental from that is huge. That's what I mean by giving someone like the green light to be able to say, what do you want to do next? Every it's an incredible subject to talk about mental because as I watch other personal trainers and other gyms that are very saturated between what's sexy and sell, 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 it's like a car salesman, but it's, some of it becomes so naive and so, uh, just dumb to me because I look at it and it's like, Oh, I'll change your tires and I'll make your car run faster or the pain of your vehicle. It's like, dude, just pop the hood, like pop the hood. Let's figure it out like right away. So when you're able to bank on having a vehicle as your body to be able to endure whatever terrain it's going to have, well, then now we're just focused on the engine. It clears out more room for the subconscious to be opened up. So when I ask questions, and we've already worked with months and months of you know, stuff already banked up, now you feel good. Now you're rolling. Now you're excelling at whatever sport you do or in life. Now, it's, now it is appropriate time to open up that can and be able to say, mentally, this is what we're able to get through. And this is how we hold it for the longevity of life. And people are different. So analogies, when I paint the picture, you know, being able to move the pen in the right direction, I always tell people and I say, look, I mean, something always sticks. I think that's the biggest part with variety. People get lazy with language. And I've said this, you know, a lot so far, but it's true because, you know, if you can't engage your lats properly, which a lot of people don't, and that's just a regular muscle. I mean, it's a big muscle group, but yet it does a lot of work. It's not like your rhomboids or, you know, you have Terry's minor, major, these very small group of muscles around a bigger group of muscles. That's what I target, the smaller group. But if you don't know how to engage your lats overhead down to the transverse, you know, I, we can't go anywhere with that. Like, I'm going to have to put you in a bad habit to get you your results. But then someone in life is going to have to break you back out of that, or you're going to be a subject to everybody else at the pharmacy. So it's like, we got to break you out, make you physically understand how to neurologically connect that muscle group and then say, oh my God, like I've had shoulder pain my whole entire life from swimming. And now with my lat involved, my shoulder doesn't do as much. Like I feel so much better without it. That mental of being able to connect, I tell people, hold a pizza. And one, one client may be like, oh my God, like my lats are on. It's like, okay, nice. Like more specifically, it's like, I'm targeting it. I'm giving him workouts. I'm constantly pushing him through the mental ability to connect it. That's what functional movement is. So on a, on a short term scale, you come in, we're training for three months, two months, every workout that we're doing, I'm explaining why we're doing it, making sure they feel what we're doing. And afterwards, when they're sore, their biomechanics, well, everything that's going down the line of the note taking is that they're mentally connecting 
every muscle that I need to connect specifically towards their body. So then mentally, when we're talking about motivation and momentum, it's like the completely two different words. So they have already established momentum. They've already put a hard drive in and it's already accumulating more and more and more data. Well, what's going to stop them? You take away all excuses and you leave just facts. No one can, no one could be possibly sitting there telling me, oh, Grant, I can't because of my shoulder pain back in 2010. It's like, all right, Jim, you know, chill out, like relax a little bit. Like, let's go ahead and get back in there. You know exactly what you got, you know, what you have to do. So the mental can be a lot of different things, but it's applied to everybody. Hell yeah. For sure. Hell yeah. And I guess uh, what like advice would you give somebody who might be in a position similar to what you were, who wants to have their own business like you do, or even just the health side of things, like mentally clear, having a stable life and, and like having a life that they're excited about living and, and working towards something. So with your question, I would say, um, Majority of time, a lot of people want to be able to find. You're saying on the health side of things, like on, yeah, with like, someone in entrepreneurial mindset. That's what I would say. Yeah, just advice to somebody who who either wants to be having like yeah. a, like business and, and success, yeah. like you have on the yeah. business side of things. I feel like it's a lot of the time goes hand in hand with health. It does. And, um, or and just that, somebody yeah. who wants to find their grit. No, that's a really like, good question. Sorry, I was just trying to make sure I got it right. So that goes along the way of like what I just ended on that last one. If mm-hmm. you can bank on your body physically being able to adapt and be versatile, then all you got to pair up is being a visionary. People talk about manifestations and visionaries. When you're confident with, that your body's going to react differently, then there's no more survival mechanism. And anxiety has a different word. Why people don't take the entrepreneur route is because they don't bank on themselves. We also live, live in a system that is based upon research studies that will deter you away from it. So what I would say is trust on what makes you most confident. Trust that you can bank on yourself. That At any moment in time, that if things go south, that your body and your mind are going to pair together simultaneously to be able to adjust and be able to adapt. And you can't paint a house with a screwdriver. So the more tools that you have to be able to use... And in the middle of being able to figure out, well, what do I want to do? What do I want to do in life? To me, fair perspective was knowing that I'm just trying to make it to the end of the day, bottom line. And that came on as a very a strong, potent mental uh, survival mechanism that was created to just take care of everybody else around me and keep going. It was just breathe and survive. So I made it to the end of the night. I was like, all right, like hang bad like I feel good I'm not worried about yesterday nothing about tomorrow so when I talk with people I think what I tell them most is take it slow take it in doses because the doses are a lot more potent when you take them in smaller chunks and uh, the distractions are easily applied by taking too many big things at once so bank on yourself put yourself to the test outwork the mental then you got nothing to you have nothing to be able to argue with and I think that's the biggest blessing is that as a kid with ADHD that just runs, runs, runs all the way around, it's like I got to keep up with my brain. So with the injuries that I have, that's not going to stop me. That's the mental and the, the trauma that happened or whatever you want to call it doesn't stop me. It's like, well, then what else would? It's like I already been through the dark of it. So put yourself in situations where you feel like, okay, I made it on the other side. Then tell yourself that, believe that, and then there's no more inner thought. There's no more... 
uh, a negotiating topic. I'm not gonna. I have just non-negotiables. And if it's something I can't control, I'm not gonna negotiate it. If I can change it and it applies to what I want and how I want to help and love, then I'm gonna do it either way. So I'm not worried about how I do it or how I get there. It's just I'm willing to die for it. And that's what makes me believe that the most dangerous men and women on this world are the ones that are confident with themselves and have self-value. And that's what puts someone against someone else is that I know my worth and I don't have to be negotiated with that. So, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Figure out what you have to do to be able to figure out a non-negotiable for your own value and your setup. Hell yeah. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, man. Well, <clears throat> my voice is dead, so... Your voice is dead. End it here, but thanks for uh, giving us some wisdom, my man. And do you want to give people, like, your social media and find your good social media and all that and stuff? And yeah, people want to reach out. Um, like I said, we're based out of the DMV area. Um, right at in, uh, Potomac Vistas outside of D.C. Um, it's uh, find.your.grit um, on Instagram. Our website is findyourgrit.com. Uh, and... Uh, we got other sources of we you know our podcast and uh, website and merch and whatnot too. So stay tuned and see what we have to offer because we got a lot of good things coming up around. So we're looking forward to seeing where growth lies. Yes, sir. Well, <clears throat> there we go. That's uh, episode eleven of Comfort Breeze Complacency. Grant Taylor, brother. Course, man. Thank Appreciate you for having it. me, brother. Appreciate it, man. Keeping us bad.